0: You're listening to a podcast from Catalyst Vineyard Church, Aberdeen. You can find out more about our church, as well as more talks on our website, catalyst.fin.
1: How can we as Christians do different when it comes to the environment? We'll all have our own opinions and thoughts regarding this subject. Some of us are going to be really well versed on it and others of us, not so much. But wherever we stand, our views may look and sound a bit different to those around us because we all see and experience things uh, differently, don't we? Just as it would be um, around politics, we'd probably be hard pressed for us all to be on exactly the same page. Um, In a recent poll that Tearfund did, they interviewed and uh, polled teenage christians and they found out that nine out of ten teenage christians didn't think um, their church was doing enough about the environment and climate change even though they were passionate about it some of you here are absolutely passionate about this subject and you probably are wondering why we aren't speaking about it all the time And then probably for others of you who are watching today, you might be thinking, well, I have no idea why she's even speaking on this subject. But regardless of whether we think this is a big issue or not, there are four compelling reasons why we as Christians should care about the environment. So first reason is love. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, we are in Luke's Gospel and so we're in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37, and I am going to read the passage to us now. The parable of the good Samaritan. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, "What must I do to inherit eternal life?" "What is written in the law?" he he said. Sorry, he replied. "How do you read it?" He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So this expert in the law, he comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus' response is to describe what it looks like to love both God and our neighbour before declaring, go and do likewise. In fact, It isn't the only time that Jesus speaks about loving your neighbor as yourself. Eight chapters later in Luke's gospel, Jesus is asked exactly the same question by a rich young ruler. And in Luke 18, he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And what does Jesus tell him? He says, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Give it to the poor. And then in Matthew 25, Jesus again, he affirms what it means to love and to follow him. Verse 35 says, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, So the answer to the question put to Jesus right at the very beginning of our passage today, what must I do to inherit eternal life, is woven throughout the whole of the New Testament, where over and over Jesus says, love me, love God, and love your neighbor. Love your neighbor. He's basically saying, allow your love of me and of your neighbor to disrupt your life, just like the Good Samaritan. Then in verse 29, we see this expert in the law. He comes back and he asks a second question. And he says, and who is my neighbor? And Luke is basically saying that this isn't actually a genuine question. This man is trying to justify himself. You you see, he's trying to get himself off the hook. But he, he thinks that it shouldn't cost him too much to follow Jesus. In a sermon on this passage, Martin Luther King Jr., the Baptist minister and also civil rights leader, he explains it like this. He says, the first question the priest and the Levite ask is, what will happen to me? What will happen to me? And to be honest with you, they found plenty of excuses not to stop, didn't they? Increasingly on the news and online and on the radio, we're hearing more and more about the huge impact that this climate crisis is having on people all across the world. You see, the impact is severe and it's only getting worse. For us here in Scotland, we've experienced over the last 30 years, the average temperature in Scotland has risen by 0.5 degrees. Scottish winters have become 5% wetter and the sea level around our coastlines has started to rise and it's been rising about three centimetres every decade and these stats come from an independent assessment by the climate change committee however for our global neighbours in Honduras the same issues that affect us here in Scotland are multiplied exponentially for for that country leaving utter devastation to the people who live there
0: So we're just gonna watch a wee video now to explain more. My name is Norman, Norman Molina. I'm um, I'm from Honduras, Central America. The effects of climate change are are huge. The strongest evidence is that levels of poverty are rising. Honduras, Central America, almost 60% of our population is, is living in poverty. Migration, waves of people trying to move North, especially, to find uh, livelihoods, make a living, because mostly of, of climate change. Fishing communities, you know, they had a small restaurant, they, they cook the fish and they sell fish for a living. These communities don't exist anymore, because the water levels have, have increased in ways that have made communities, entire communities, disappear. Rain has become a threat. Uh, our hearts start pumping very fast and our minds start creating new stories and we we traumatized by it every time i hear rain there is this fear of what is going to happen which is sad because rain in the bible for us rain it's it's, it's a sign of, of blessing of, of life of crops and 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 grow and sadly because of, of the damage and the vulnerability that we have in our, in our countries rain has become a threat so last year, uh, we had two hurricanes that caused huge damage, especially in the north uh, coast of Honduras. Two hurricanes in one weekend between, not even in my wildest dream. I never imagined having that. More than four million people affected by these two hurricanes, more than 100,000 people in shelters. It's funny that climate change, for example, it's, it's not one of the things that we contribute the most in the region like Central America, especially. However, we are the ones that um, are affected the most. Central America is one of the most, if not the most affected uh, or uh, most vulnerable uh, area to to climate change. We are brothers and sisters in all this. Uh, We belong to a global community. What you decide to do and the decisions that the powerful people decide to make has an effect on us. And if these decisions are positive, Um, it would be good for us. But if we continue this pattern of exploitation and destruction and going beyond the limits of the planet, maybe you will not feel it, but we will feel
1: it. The Good Samaritan does not ask the same question as the priest and the Levite. They ask, what will happen to me if I stop? to help. The good Samaritan, he reverses the question and he asks himself, if I do not stop to help this man, then what will happen to him? What will happen to him? Martin Luther King Jr. goes on to say that this is the question that each one of us needs to be asking in our own lives. Not the question of the priest or the Levite, which was based basically on their own needs. What would happen to me? But instead, if I don't stop to help, then what will happen to them? The second reason we as Christians should care about the environment is that it is a matter of justice. What we've just heard is that the changing climate affects the poorest people in the world way more than it affects us. This is neither equal, nor fair, nor just. Here is Catherine Hayhoe. Uh, She is an internationally renowned Christian climate scientist
2: and she is going to explain what this means. The reason why we care about a changing climate is not because a one or two or three or four degree increase in the average temperature of the entire planet really matters that much to any one of us. It's because that temperature increase, like the first domino in a row of dominoes, kicks off a series of interconnected impacts and events that affect all of us around the world but affect the poorest and most vulnerable more than any. The single best description I've heard of climate change was coined by the U.S. military, if you can believe it, and it's this. Climate change is a threat multiplier. In other words, it takes all of the other issues that we already care about All of the issues, for example, that are exemplified by the Sustainable Development Goals, issues of poverty, hunger, lack of education, basic health care resources, it takes these issues and it makes them worse. Another way to think about it is with this image of a bucket with a hole in it. We're pouring all of our efforts into this bucket to alleviate poverty, hunger, disease, lack of access to clean water, refugee crises, and more. Yet, that bucket has a hole, and the hole is getting bigger and bigger over time, and there is no way to fill the bucket if we do not patch the hole. The hole is climate change. I care about climate change specifically because it does affect the poorest and most vulnerable in the world. It's no accident that there is a direct correlation between people who are already living in poverty and people who are most vulnerable. Because how climate change affects us is by loading the weather dice against us. In the places where we live, we know that we've always had heavy rainfall, floods, heat waves, hurricanes, droughts, storms, wildfire, and more. These are a normal and natural part of life on this planet. But the warmer it gets, the more frequent or the stronger and more damaging these events are getting. We know that the frequency of heavy precipitation is increasing. We know that heat waves are getting more extreme. We know that droughts are getting stronger. We know that wildfires are burning greater area. We know that cyclones, hurricanes, or typhoons, all the same storm, they're just called different names in different parts of the world. We know that they're not getting more frequent, but they're getting much bigger, stronger, slower, more powerful with a lot more rainfall associated with them. And then there's the long-term changes like creeping sea level with two-thirds of the world's biggest cities, many of those in developing countries, lying within just a meter of sea level. So why does climate change matter? It matters because, precisely because, it disproportionately affects the poorest and most vulnerable in the world. If we have a flood in a rich country, it can be devastating. It can produce very expensive damages. But if they have a flood in a developing country, as occurred, for example, two and a half years ago in Bangladesh during the monsoon season, where due to the abnormally heavy rains, a third of the entire country was underwater. The impacts can be beyond belief. Where I live in Texas, we experienced a massive record-breaking drought in 2011 and 2012. Where we live is, climatologically speaking, very similar to Syria. And in Syria, they also experienced a drought that's estimated to be two to three times more likely as a result of a changing climate. But that drought was occurring on top of an unstable political system, on top of poverty, on top of ongoing conflict, a pre-existing internal refugee crisis, all of which led climate change and its impact on the drought to be like the final straw on the camel's back. You can have a healthy camel that doesn't have much on it. It can absorb that extra straw. But if you have a camel that is malnourished, underfed, in poor health, already overloaded, that's when climate change can truly be the final straw that breaks the camel's back. Another example, and this is the exact same event this time, was Hurricane Matthew. Hurricane Matthew hit the Carolinas in the United States in October 2016. It produced billions of dollars worth of damage, and it led to the loss of 28 lives. Now, those are very serious impacts, but before it hit the coast of the United States, it hit Haiti, which is the poorest country in all of Central and North America. In Haiti, the headlines look like this. We've lost everything. In Haiti, they already had cholera, and the epic flooding that that resulted from the hurricane, exacerbated the cholera epidemic. In some places, up to 90% of people lost their homes. All across the world, since the 1960s, it's estimated that the economic gap between the richest and poorest countries has already increased by 25% due to the impacts of a changing climate. In this past year, the United Nations warned that climate change threatens to undo the last 50 years of development, global health, and poverty reduction. We care about climate change because it is a threat multiplier. Climate change is not only an environmental issue. Climate change is a poverty issue. It's a hunger issue. It's an issue of inequality and injustice. Climate change is a human issue. And that's why we care. Dr. Cornel West, the
1: Christian philosopher, author and activist, once said, justice is what love looks like in public. The third reason we should care about what is happening to this world is that it is a stewardship issue. Um, uh, Quite a few years ago now, when our kids were all babies, very little, um, we had about eight weddings to go to one summer. And I didn't want to wear the same uh, wedding outfit over and over and over again. So I went to a friend of mine and I asked if I could borrow a, a dress, a, a wedding outfit. And they said, oh yes, I've got the most beautiful dress. I absolutely love it. I think you will too. And it sure enough, it was beautiful and it came with a sweet, for those that care, a sweet fascinator and a little stole with it as well. And it was just beautiful. The day of the wedding came and I felt, super confident i love the dress and everything was going really well up to the point uh, just before the photos when one of my tiny children actually they, they were a baby at the time they threw up all over me and that was the beginning of the end really so after that one disaster another disaster happened where we were sitting down for the meal and somebody accidentally slipped and their glass of red wine went all over the table, but mainly to be honest, onto my lap, absolute disaster. And then to top it all, as we were standing up for the speeches, the dress that was that tiny bit too long for me, I hadn't realised, but it got caught underneath the chair leg. And as I went to stand up, I ripped that dress. It was such a bad day, a terrible day. I mean, a beautiful wedding, but a terrible day for me and that dress. That beautiful outfit that my friend had lent me. I had completely ruined it. The point is, I hadn't looked after it. I hadn't looked after it. I didn't look after something that didn't belong to me. And right at the very beginning in... The, uh, right at the very beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, Adam and Eve are instructed to maintain a godly stewardship over the earth, looking after it, protecting it, um, allowing it to flourish. And in Genesis 1 verse 28, it says, God bless them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So the language that is used here demonstrates the kind of care that a shepherd really would have over his flock, over the sheep, caring for them, looking out for them, protecting them, doing all that they can to ensure that those sheep will flourish. Now, the words um, in these verses, subdue and rule, are set in the context of God's will of blessing, his will of blessing and of Fruitfulness for all of creation, all of his creatures that he has made, because we are delegated by God to have stewardship over creation and to put it under our subjection. One way we can honor God, one way we can be good stewards of his creation is to love and look after this world so that it will continue to flourish that it will continue to declare the glory of God and continue to reveal the Lord's nature and the character that he is to us through his creation. Of course, God has absolute power and authority and sovereignty over his creation. Of course he does. But this doesn't mean that we should be dismissive of the condition of the earth or that our actions actually have no effect on it, because it does. You see, it all belongs to him. Everything is his, not ours. He is the owner and sustainer of the earth and everything in it. And all that we have and all that we receive from the earth, it all belongs to God. It's all his. We are stewards. We're not owners. We're not owners. And our care of creation is a role that has been delegated to us by the Lord. And so our relationship to this earth is to be one that is a God-centered one rather than sometimes when it can become more self-centered. We show respect by the way we treat other people's possessions, don't we? I mean, except obviously in my uh, dress incident. That's mainly how we show respect to others, you know, how we treat them, how we treat their possessions. We show honor and respect to the Lord in the way that we treat his world, because the earth was created for him, was created for him and not for us. Colossians 1 verse 16 says, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And this is the primary purpose of all creation, to glorify God, to reveal his character and his splendor and his will. He guides and he teaches us through his written word, but also through creation as well. His majesty, his power, his beauty, his goodness, his splendor are all so clearly displayed for us to see. So this isn't about saving the planet. It's not about putting a higher priority on uh, saving seals than saving souls. It's not about that. It's not about that. And it's not about worshipping creation or denying the sovereignty of God over this earth but it is about honoring him. It is about being good stewards of what of the earth that the Lord has created for his glory and for his pleasure. The fourth reason we should care about climate change is that it's a peace issue. All the experts say that the more climate change there is, the more mass migration um, there will be. And of course, this will lead to unrest, and war across the world. In a 2019 paper, researchers found that intensifying climate change will likely increase the future risk of violent armed conflict within countries, estimating that climate change has influenced between 3% and 20% of armed conflict um, over the past century. The study also found that if global emission rates are not reduced, the risk of climate-induced violence is fivefold, which is pretty terrifying. You see, mass displacement of people increases then the possibility of conflict. As people are being moved, they're forced to leave their homes, their communities, their places, Um, because basically it's become too inhospitable for them to stay. And the risk of conflict is exacerbated in countries where climate change leads to drought, famine, reduced harvests, where it destroys critical infrastructure because it displaces huge numbers of people, large communities. In Afghanistan, for example, um, reduced harvests have pushed people into poverty, which now means that they are vulnerable to be recruited into armed groups. Across parts of Africa, grazing patterns that have changed due to the climate conditions have caused farmers to be at war between one another. In Zimbabwe, tear fund workers are reporting an increase in child marriages. Can you imagine being so desperate that you would have to give away your daughter, your child, your little girl to marriage in order to receive some money to pay for doing that. Or in some cases, just to say, well, that's one less mouth that I need to worry about. I need to feed. David Attenborough called climate change the biggest threat to security that modern humans have ever faced. But Jesus' vision for our lives is to be a people who carry peace, to be a people who are are united for wanting, wanting to see reconciliation happen, to be people who wear peace and carry peace and do all we can for peace. God sent Jesus as a solution to this world's problems. He came to restore peace by reconciling all of creation to him. Colossians 1 verses 19 to 20 says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. God was reconciling to himself all things through Jesus. By restoring our right relationship to God, Jesus also opened the door for us to live in right relationships with one another. You see, we are Christ's ambassadors and we are called to bring a message of reconciliation into the world. So just to recap, the four reasons why we as Christians have a personal responsibility to the environmental changes that we face are firstly... Number one, out of love for our neighbor. Secondly, it's a matter of justice. Climate change impacts the poorest of the poor and the most vulnerable in our global community. Thirdly, we are stewards. We are not owners and our care for creation is delegated to us by God. And lastly, we wanna be people who do all that we can to stop conflict and to bring about peace and reconciliation to the world. So coming into land, what are some practical things that we can do? Firstly, tier funds have a petition, a campaign going right now, um, and it's called, It's Time to Deliver. And we can, if you would like to, you can sign it. Uh, so back in 2009, high income countries basically promised, they said they were gonna give away $100 billion from the year 2020 onwards, for the climate, those that are in climate vulnerable nations, basically to help them adapt to the impacts of climate change. They are yet to fulfill their promise. So Tier Fund are calling on the UK government, who which currently holds COP um, presidency until November, to influence these wealthier nations. To deliver on the promise of the finances that they have pledged to those communities that desperately need it. Now to sign this petition you can just head over to tearfund.org forward slash time to deliver. Secondly we can pray. This is such a daunting issue and we may feel completely overwhelmed at times not knowing how to pray or what to pray. But I love this quote by the Christian author Max Licardo. And he says this, our prayers may be awkward, our attempts may be feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference. Also, if you would like, you can again head over to Tear website and you can sign up for SMS prayer alerts as well, which will go directly to your phone. Thirdly, remember, our actions can make a big difference. You see, we are in a very privileged position where we can use our choices as well as our voices to make a difference to our global community by making more sustainable everyday choices. Now, Tearfund have pulled together um, a whole list of practical things that we could uh, continue to do for some of us or start to do for many of us. And here are some of the things that they suggest we consider doing. Drive less. They say, see if it's possible just to cut out one car journey a week. Walk more, cycle more, car share, that kind of thing. Cut out food waste. Number three, eat more plant-based meals. Um, Especially those plants that haven't had to travel from the other side of the world. Fourthly, shop locally where we can. Five, use our spending power. Look for labels such as Fair Trade, Living Wage Employer, or the Fair Tax Mark. They also are urging us to consider buying less and cherishing more. They're asking us to have a look at our spending habits. Look at what are we actually spending our money on. And I guess asking us, could we buy fewer items? Maybe better quality, but fewer items that are going to last. Buying less, repairing instead of replacing and living more sustainably is also going to have a a significant impact on our finances as well. We'll be saving money. Uh, Reduce our rubbish is another thing they say, and two simple things we could do for that is by using a reusable coffee cup and also a reusable water bottle. Maybe consider switching to use shampoo and conditioner, soap bars and body wash. Maybe where possible buy loose fruit and veg. Check out your local refill shop. There's lots of them that are popping up all over the place now. Also, you can consider joining the Looking After God's World group that is in our church and details for that are in Catalyst News. And just really quickly, lastly, I just wanna share a tiny bit of my journey uh, in terms of fast fashion. I'd never heard the term before. I didn't know what it was until a couple of years ago when I watched a TV program and I started to explore what fast fashion was and basically changed um, the vast majority of how I buy clothes and how I shop from that. So just to say, the majority of high street shops are selling clothes that would be deemed as high, um, sorry, fast fashion. And the term fast fashion basically means that they make mass production of clothes. Um, These clothes are cheap, they're of poor quality and basically they're disposable. And to give you an idea of the scale of the problem, the fashion industry Uh, churns out a whopping 80 billion garments a year. So that's over 10 items of clothing for every single person on the earth. And it's 400% more than it produced 20 years ago. So the average garment is only worn 10 times or less before it's put into landfill. So as high street clothes are becoming cheaper, as their prices fall, so does their quality, and while prices are dropping, fashion trends are accelerating, which creates an incentive for people to buy more and more clothes to keep up with the latest trends. Now, this fast fashion has devastating environmental impact in all sorts of different ways, and I haven't really got time to go into it, so I'm just gonna give you a few headlines. So it's devastating for the garment workers. You see, many of them are children, and mothers and women, and they are working. They're enduring um, appalling working conditions. Another devastation it brings is that untreated toxic wastewater that contains lead and mercury and arsenic are being poured freely into out of the factories into the rivers. Now, this toxic water affects the health of the wildlife, obviously around it and also probably, well definitely more importantly, the communities that are living on the riverbanks around it. This uh, toxic water, eventually it gets to the sea and it pollutes the sea as well. I was horrified when I found out that it takes a massive 7,600 litres of water to make just one pair of jeans, one pair of jeans. Yet the UN found that 3.6 billion people, which is almost half the world's population, are at risk of water scarcity. You see, by choosing to shop consciously and ethically, we will be making a difference to the poorest of the poor in the world's communities. I've, um, over the last few years, discovered a love of charity shops. I've always loved a bargain. I love it even more now, as well as online apps such as eBay um, and also Vinted. I love Vinted. It's amazing. And I am dressed in Vinted today. Even my necklace is from Vinted. So whatever we can do, church, however small, it will mean a whole lot to our global neighbours and also for this beautiful world that we live in. Why don't we pray? Lord, we ask that you would show us simple changes, simple things that we can do that will have a knock-on effect in all sorts of different ways, but mainly for our global brothers and sisters in Christ who are at the front line of climate change right now? Would you give us your wisdom? Would you give us um, a fresh passion? And would you enable us to be an advocate on behalf of the poorest of the poor? That you will show us inventive ways and that you would speak to us all personally about the journey that we are on. And how we can play our part to make a significant difference for your glory and for your honor we pray in jesus name amen